Hello, and welcome to another episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. On this week's episode, we will be discussing a topic that has been covered on a lot of news channels over the last years, uh, controversial legislation. We will cover three different topics, sorry, two different topics, uh, Florida's Don't Say Gay or Parental Rights and Education Bill, and the anti-trans laws passed throughout the United States. As a quick note, neither Sarah nor myself hold law degrees or have studied law. Uh, and all the information that we will discuss is purely opinion. Anyone listening to this should not take anything said throughout this episode as legal advice, as it is intended for discussion and entertainment purposes only. So, hello, my name is James. I'm Sarah. And welcome to this week's episode. First thing we want to cover is kind of why, uh, what, what's been going on um, since we haven't posted an episode in what seems like almost a month. Um, Sarah made her way to Rhode Island, um, and we've kind of just been getting situated and trying to figure out a way to actually record with the very small amount of recording options we have. Um, and we've just kind of been sightseeing. We went to a couple different areas. Um, Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about what, what you've been doing or what, what we've been doing over the past couple weeks? Yeah, um, we've done some exploring around Rhode Island. Um, a little bit of exploring in Massachusetts. Haven't had a chance to go to Connecticut yet. Um, originally, we were going to go yesterday, but um, we ended up sightseeing elsewhere. Found this amazing little antiques place, which was great. Um, I want to go back. Um, yeah. And we, we did get to go to Salem, which was fun. Yes, we did go to Salem. Sarah almost died with her COVID. <laughs> Guys, long COVID is not a joke. It freaking sucks. Hardcore. <laughs> so that was kind of the reason that we haven't been posting. Um, we wanted to kind of get situated. And then we just now, I don't even know how well this is going to work. Uh, but we just now figured out a little bit of a way to record. Um, so we'll record and then I'll play it back a little bit and then edit and upload this episode. Uh, this is episode three. For those of you that have been following along, we'll be... Um, Publishing this episode probably Monday, or well, today's Monday, so it's Memorial Day when we're recording this this episode. Uh, but we will probably post it around Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're going to record another episode today as well that will be posted um, probably Friday, our normal posting day. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we'll just jump right into our episode about uh, controversial controversial legislation um, that we had kind of on the docket a couple of the week before the whole Roe v. Wade catastrophic event happened, um, and that news came out about the leaked uh, legislation or leaked um, opinion article from the Supreme Court justices talking about overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, So the first thing we want to talk about on the uh, episode today is the Florida's Don't Say Gay Uh, or the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Um, The bill, um, so it's it's a bill that was proposed and actually written into law. It goes into effect July 1st. Um, For those of you that aren't aware, it's not currently in effect, and there are legal legal fights pending against the bill that could potentially stop it from going into effect. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, But one of the things I wanted to cover is the fact that not only has this bill been 
put into legislation and it goes into effect in July. But there are several other states that have been proposing bills that are similar to the Florida Don't Say Gay. These states include Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa, Louisiana, South Carolina, uh, Missouri, Indiana, where Sarah and I are originally, well, I'm originally from, um, and Sarah lived most of her life. And then also Kentucky, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Ohio. And then based on the article produced by NPR, uh, most of these bills are targeting the study or normalization of LGBT ideologies and gender identity. Um, and like I said in the previous episode, we will be including links to all of the articles that we talk about um, in our um, Google Doc that we're going to connect to this episode. Um, on some of those bills, so there's the... Alabama bill that advanced measures prohibiting early class instruction on sexual and gender identity. Um, there's the Arizona bill that talks about um, sex ed curriculums focusing on biological sex and not gender identities. Uh, Georgia lawmakers targeted private schools. Um, this bill did actually fail um, to get any traction this year. Um, Iowa proposed a bill that would require parents to opt in writing to any instructions relating to gender identities. Uh, Louisiana lawmakers introduced HB 837 that would limit discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity um, and prohibit it altogether in others. Um, and then South Carolina's bill is similar to that. Missouri's bill would ban gender or sexual diversity training in public schools, uh, as well as the Indiana bill and Kentucky bill. And then for Oklahoma, um, the bill would ban books from school libraries that focus on the study of sex, sexual lifestyles, and sexual activity. And then Tennessee, there's HB 800, which bans books and instructional materials that promote, normalize, support, or address lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender life issues or lifestyles. Um, and then finally, the Ohio HB 616, which is similar language to the Florida bill. Um, to me, the bills, and I, I think I talked about it a little bit in the previous um, conversations we've had, where the bill, especially the Florida bill that I actually read through, um, the information included in it is just so vague that um, it doesn't really tell you. It's so up for interpretation that it could lead to issues where student, students' parents are suing a school um, for something that would technically not be against the bill if you look at it in a different way. And I think that's the biggest um, in the information included in a political article that was published on May 17th. It's really about um, students, administrators, and parents that are opposed to the bill, saying that the information included is way too vague, uh, it's way too up for interpretation, um, and it includes and it's led to statements like school is for education, not sexualization, and teachers should teach reading, writing, and arithmetic, not ideology promoting, uh, promoted by deviance. Uh, and then there was also an, um, a statement that said, I really don't understand why, why are you so hell-bent on teaching the LGBTQ support guide to little children who barely graduated from being toddlers. To me, this information leads me to think, um, that the people who 
are saying these and are supporting the bill are a little out of touch um, and are projecting their own views and insecurities about things they feel uncomfortable about discussing um, and being introduced to students. Uh, when in actuality, the information that's going to be provided is more some people have a dad and mom, some people have two dads or two moms, and some people may look like one gender, um, but feel a different way and feel like a different gender. Sarah, what do you think? I think, as per usual, that it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> but, like, I don't, okay, so I don't understand if, if, if school is for education and not sexualization, then does that mean they're going to do away completely with sex ed? Because if it's not about sexualization, why are we teaching about any kind of sex in school? But we both know that's that's not the case. They're still going to be, you know, educating on PMV with a focus on the male, the cis male enjoyment and nothing about cis female enjoyment at all but you know that's another topic for another day um <clears throat> i think the other thing is though is that we're just because we're not teaching it it doesn't mean that it's not happening like you know abstinence only sex education doesn't work as we know we both went through the, the abstinence sex education in middle school like it doesn't work so it's it's the same thing is yeah okay you cannot teach those things all you're doing is creating a situation where instead of having safe consensual sex these students are just gonna be exploited or whatnot like you're not teaching them the information they need to know to go out and be sexual individuals. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, it seems like the information, and I, I will do a quick clarification. The bills don't actually identify any criteria for removing or um, legislating sexual orientation, or sex, not sexual orientation, um, sexual education. Uh, it doesn't, there's the one bill that talks about that, that not being so the uh, the discussion uh, the Louisiana bill that would limit discussions of sexual orientation or gender identities in some grades and prohibit it altogether um, and then the gender or sexual diversity training in public schools for Missouri bill those are the only two that I in this article that is included that are included in this article that talk about um sexual education uh, and to me like i said in the previous episode i've i've read through some of the bill um i think the biggest argument or the biggest concern is where they talk about having to um let these parents know if their student comes to them about um and talks to them about their confusion on their gender, their confusion about their sexuality, and they're required to let their parents know before they uh, give any advice or discuss anything with that or that student. Um, to me, that part is a little kind of iffy. I don't really understand 
I kind of understand it in one way because you're, you're a teacher, you're not a counselor, you're not a professional in that field. Um, but the one thing I will say in the bill, the Florida bill, it does say that if they feel there is a, it's putting the student in any danger to go to the parents, they have the ability to discuss it with the administration first before they go to the parents and let them know their, their concerns before taking the information to the student the student's parents right which i don't i also like i kind of understand because you know they're a minor and if there's an issue with the child you're supposed to notify the parent but at the same time that i don't know it kind of goes to the rights of children i feel like they also have a right to privacy yeah which i think the argument there would be their children they have that's how most people feel. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying I agree with that. But that is how. And I, again, it's really hard for me to come to this argument with any type of. I don't have any skin in the game, so to say, or I don't have any. I don't personally have any stake in the discussion because I'm never going to have children. I don't really care to have children. And if you ask me, I don't really care that much about children. <laughs> Um, I, on the other hand, would uh, eventually like to have kids. And, you know, I love working with children and have worked with children in the past. Um, so this is kind of something that I have skin in, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I, I think it really just, the bill is aimed at giving parents more rights in the the way that their children learn or the information that their children are learning about in specifically public schools um, but again to me that goes back to sometimes the parents don't know what is right or they feel a different way than their child does so they want to control their child's education more than they should um, and more than is good for the child I also would say if you're wanting to be that in control of your child's education um be proactive yeah. in the education like if you're wanting your child to learn specific things be active do those things or enroll them in specific schools like private schools public schools should be able to teach whatever to the general public because that's the whole point yeah I, that yeah i think that that is an argument it's if you don't want them to learn specific things that's that's kind of what this bill is intended to do it's to help include the information that should be covered or i guess restrict what shouldn't be covered mm -hmm. um and i will just make a quick psa if you hear something in the background my dog is walking around and he's very impatient today for some reason so you may hear his footsteps and hear, hear him shake a couple times uh, one of the other things included in the article from NPR was information about um, tweets from Xander Morks, which I could completely be saying that name wrong. Um, the first openly gay class president at Pinewood or Pineview School in Sarasota County, um, and he claims that his principal told him not to bring up his LGBTQ activism or involvement in the lawsuit challenging legislation. Um, in his upcoming graduation speech 
Uh, school officials were also said to have a signal to cut off his microphone and end his speech and halt the ceremony um, if he did start to start up that conversation. Um, that's one one information or one thing covered in this article, and then it also included a link to another article from the news press uh, about a Cape Coral teacher being terminated over discussing her pansexuality and polyamorous uh, relationship. Um, but to me, based on the information included in these uh, students' accounts and the teacher herself, uh, it seems like it's something that really shouldn't be discussed in the classroom. The way she was discussing it shouldn't shouldn't have been discussed in that manner. Um, I feel like it was okay for her to discuss her pansexual uh, relationship or the the being pansexual. Um, and discuss the meaning behind the different flags, which is what she was, what the intent I'm assuming was. Uh, but it went a little far where she was talking about her relationship with her husband and her girlfriend, uh, which to me seems like it might be a little too, too much between sixth and seventh grade students. So pretty young students. Um, but again, I would also feel the same way about a straight teacher or a straight identifying teacher talking about their relationship if they were in a similar relationship as well. I, I just don't think, unless they're, you're talking about like, oh, here's my husband or here's my wife, why you don't really need to go into any more detail. If someone, a student sees a picture of you and your significant other and it's a woman and a woman or a man and a man or two non-binary couple people in a couple, that's, that's really as far as you need to go. There doesn't need to be too much of a discussion further beyond, well, that's my girlfriend, or that's my wife, or that's my husband. Um, in a school setting with students. Um, and like I said, I think, so the, the class that what she did, it was an art class, and she talked about the meaning behind the different flags. And she wanted the students to create their own flags um, that would make them feel open to be whoever they are um, and create their own flags that represented them and their own experiences. So she, she kind of started it based on here are these flags and here's what they represent. So your, your position or your assignment is create your own flag and then we'll discuss about what it means to you. That was my understanding of it. Sarah, what do you think? Um, I think that I agree with you that I feel like there's a really fine line with, um, teaching, like, not, it, I wouldn't even consider it teaching at that point, like, talking to students about your relationships, um, like, I myself am polyamorous, um, but... I don't see that being something I'm gonna broach with a student unless we're like in a college course because college is a completely different college is a lawless land um <laughs> but like if you're if you're talking to students who are all presumably minors um I don't feel like discussing your relationship in any shape way or form beyond oh these are my partners or oh you know that's that's my spouse or so on and so forth it, i don't feel like you need to go into more detail or like start breaking it down for them 
Um, and one thing that was included in the article was she was a first year student um, and her argument about um, her eventual termination, actually, she did get uh, fired over it, um, was that there wasn't enough instruction or information given to her about what she was and was not allowed to discuss with students. But again, at some point, it's like you have to think, um, is it appropriate if I were a student? If I were in the student's shoes, would I be uncomfortable or would I, would I, would this conversation be something I would want to hear at a sixth or seventh grade level? Right. Um, and then cut it off where it's like, okay, this is a little bit more information. Uh, it did say she was excited uh, because she had recently come out to her family uh, the day before her lesson. Um, and that was kind of like what emboldened her or made her excited to talk a little bit more about um about the actual her being uh pansexual and polyamorous and i will say to me i i understand what polyamory is um i i would never be in a polyamorous relationship but that's my personal experience my personal thought on polyamory for me it's not something that I would rather do but I do see how it is attractive to other uh, couples or other people that would like to be in a polyamorous relationship all it is is just you know recognizing that you have a lot of love to give and uh, since you hate people <laughs> um, you know it, it, it's not for everybody not everybody feels that way not everybody wants to do that so on and so forth okay i'm gonna do a quick pause um so i can take my dog out because he is standing here staring at me like he hasn't gone out in an hour and a half even though he just went out 20 minutes before we started to get recording uh so we will be back in just a few minutes so now we're gonna kind of transition into um talking about legislation um and there's a lot <laughs> like a lot a lot so i'm going to let sarah actually do most of the talking on this one because it's mainly her topic um i did do a little bit of reading in it but um it's mainly stuff that she's looked at so we'll let her talk through it and i will give my input when she asks <laughs> Okay, so first off, um, there's several different categories of anti-trans bills. Um, there's restricting health care for transgender youths. Um, there's single-sex facility restrictions, um, excluding transgender youth from athletics. Um, it just it just school and curriculum restrictions and restrictions on accessing accurate IDs, and then there's something listed under other. But then also following up with that, there's religious exemption bills, which mean that if somebody feels like it goes against their morals to help a trans person or to wait on a trans person or to care for a trans person in a hospital setting, um, then they, they don't have to. They don't have to provide service 
see, that's one thing that always worries me. Cause it, and it's always like, but what gives you, aside, before this right, and this could be something that we would, you would use to argue, um, is it church versus state? Like, church, is it separate, separation of church and state? Are you bringing too much power into the church? To allow the religious belief to override the um, the ability to receive care. That's I didn't see that, um, but it's it's a good conversation. Is there a list of like different all the states? Yeah, so it lists um, the bill numbers by state, and it also gives you the status. Um, some of these bills died, and it like it says that. Um, or they've been indefinitely postponed, or they were rejected, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's a lot of, there's, there's just so many. It actually uh, felt a little overwhelming uh, as I was going through, realizing how, just how much there is. Um, the other biggest thing is the removal of protections for discrimination so protections against being discriminated um so one of the reasons I had wanted to talk about this was because of what's going on in Texas which is where I currently live um which is Governor Abbott who fucking sucks um in more ways than one um so I thought that he had passed a bill but what actually happened was is he just passed the directive um, saying that the Department of Family and Protective Services have to investigate gender-affirming health care for transgender youth as child abuse so it's a hot fucking mess um, so that's one of the reasons I had wanted to about it because it's something that's going on in the state that I live in where and they've already actually started some cases um, against this directive bless you <laughs> um, lambda legal has started um, so what they're saying is, is that uh, Governor Abbott's directive is invalid on procedural grounds and that the governor and the agency have acted outside of their authority and that it violates parental rights um, by depriving them of due process as well as denying trans youth um, their right to equal protection under the law. So that, yeah, there's that. His, but going back to these other bills, so there's um, some of my favorites are uh, the Save Women's Sports Act in South Carolina, um, which, let me pull it up here. This act must be known and may be cited as the Save Women's Sports the General Assembly finds that maintaining the fairness for women's athletic opportunities is an important state interest and requiring the designation of separate sex-specific athletic teams 
or sports is necessary to maintain fairness for women's athletic opportunities. So, which I always, I always find it interesting that we put so much emphasis on this for sports. You look like you have something interesting to say. No, I, so I was just looking it up because I've never heard of it. It does look like it's, nothing has currently been done with it yet. It's been um, introduced and it's currently on, uh, the last action was taken on May 11th, uh, but it's currently in on the calendar to be discussed in August of this year. So it's not currently effective, um, but it is on uh, on the docket. One of the biggest things I, I, I think I agree. I don't, and there's been so many bills that have been passed, and then by the state legislatures, and then they go to the governor's desk to be signed. There's, I think there's like three that I can remember right now, where the governor vetoed the bill because they basically said it was unnecessary and there was no evidence of this type of issue being warranting a bill or warranting legislation so they basically vetoed vetoed it but then there was another conversation about even though it was vetoed by the governor there's a possibility that the veto would be overturned by the legislatures which i again don't think is right i mean i don't think the one person should be able to say no this goes back to the conversation of bills shouldn't be passed just by the legislatures if their bills are going to marginally affect or affect a larger group of people or any group of people, it should be something that the people of that state or the country should be allowed to vote on. It shouldn't be just a unanimous unanimous discussion done by only legislatures. Yeah. I've never understood why that's a thing. To me, it doesn't make sense. I get, yes, we vote on the legislatures to put the bills their job is to create bills, um, but it should be in the hands of and by a popular majority vote. Given and when I say popular majority vote, that means count the vote votes of all the people in the state, and if it's over fifty percent in favor of the vote or in favor of the bill, then it should be passed. I think fifty percent is a little too low. Um, but especially if it's something that's going to negatively impact negatively impact yeah and then also bills shouldn't just be out there living for an undetermined time they should have a lifetime where after a certain uh, number of years like say five ten years have passed the bill needs to go back on the docket to be voted on because the population is going to change within that time frame so much that the people that voted yes for that bill in 1999, 2000, aren't going to vote the same way or aren't going to be the same population of people in 2022. Right. So the views and opinions of the population could have changed so much between that time frame I don't agree with the fact that bills are just there to live for an undetermined amount of time. It doesn't make sense to me that that's a thing. And I, that's, I mean, I'm 
to me, I'm looking at this from a point of view from a person in my daily line of work. We have documents that have been out there living for so long that they no longer actually are used or they don't make any sense because things have been changed so much that it's referencing to like Windows 95 or something that is no longer even in existence. That um, again, like I said, it needs to be look at, looked at, and then uh, voted on again uh, or updated to make it make more sense in the current time frame. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, another one from South Carolina uh, goes back to the morality um, where it says that despite its preeminent importance, however, threats to the right of conscience of medical practitioners, healthcare institutions, and healthcare payers have become increasingly more common and severe in recent years. The swift pace of scientific advancement and the expansion of medical capabilities, along with the mistaken notion that medical practitioners, healthcare institutions, and healthcare payers are mere public utilities, promise only to make the current crisis worse. So, what it says is that the General Assembly declares that it is the public policy of the state of South Carolina to protect the right of conscience for medical practitioners, healthcare institutions, and healthcare payers. As the right of conscience is fundamental, no medical practitioner, healthcare institution, or healthcare payer should be compelled to participate in or pay for any medical procedure or prescribe or pay for any medication to which the practitioner or entity objects on the basis of conscience, whether such conscience is informed by religious, moral, ethical, or philosophical beliefs or principles. So with that, I think, and I could be completely speaking out of turn or um, out, of, out of nowhere, but I think there would probably have to be an escalation requirement if like an individual were to say, well, I'm not going to approve this because it's a, they're, it's an individual that is applying for reimbursement on a procedure or something. Um, and someone working at the um, company that handles the reimbursement claims uh, says no, that they're not going to approve it because it goes against their moral beliefs. There, sh- there has to be some sort of escalation where the person can appeal that and say that it wasn't, it doesn't go against any of the company's requirements or companies uh, requirements Um, and it meets all the criteria that it needs to to get reimbursement. It's when I want to say it could potentially based on the Arizona bill that I read um, HB 2608 Mm -hmm. uh, it is specifically talking about um, state funded reimbursement for um, uh, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure which one it was. Sorry. Like um, the Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System. So that is a state-funded, state-specific for Medicare. Yeah. Where they wouldn't have to, because since that's paid into by everyone. Well, this healthcare payer shouldn't be responsible for this. Yeah. 
But I think the argument there is, it's like, look, look, they're not the only person that pays into it. I also pay into it, and I'm the one that wants it. Yeah, exactly. So where is my money going? Because I'm going to pay for something that I may not approve of. Yeah. But because it's not as controversial, it's not something that I can submit a request to say, no, don't don't pay for this one. Right. The uh, One of the other ones I wanted to talk about um, is House Bill number 675 um, through the state of Idaho, where it's relating to genital mutilation of a child, um, where... where it says, this one's basically targeted at trans men. Um, Though it does mention um, vasectomies, castration, um, tenectomies, um, things like that. When you say trans men, you mean females to males? Yes. Okay. So trans men specifically because it says, Whoever knowingly circumcises, excises, or infibulates the whole or any part of the labia majora, labia minora, or clitoris of a child shall be guilty of a felony. Which, normally this would apply to female genital mutilation, um, which is actually a lot more common than we realize here in the United States. Um, But, I guess, one of the reasons I found this interesting, um, not really interesting, morbidly interesting, I guess, is that... We're perfectly fine with excising, circumcising, whatnot, um, penises, but except when somebody's trying to, you know, change their gender, um, to change their body to match their gender. So, I mean, that's. Circumcision is a completely other topic as far as that goes, but it still sucks. Yes, it does. I, I'm just looking through it, and there's so many slashes in the actual bill that's published, and even at the bottom says that it's this is the bill, um, and it goes into full force and effect on and after January 1st, 2022. You shouldn't have edits in a final bill. <laughs> there shouldn't be any edits. Yeah. Like there should be iterations of the bill that have the edits included. Mm-hmm. That way, people them for previous to see what what was amended what was changed in the voting but if this is the final bill it shouldn't have edits in it it's stupid right they're basically just amending their female genital mutilation bill but here's the thing though that that relates to what i was just saying about circumcision where it says removing any otherwise healthy or non-diseased body part or tissue we do that literally every day with AMABs, um, which is assigned male at birth, um, without like batting a fucking eye. But then as soon as somebody's wanting to, not that I agree with circumcision at all, <laughs> I'm very anti-circumcision personally, but like it just, I feel like in this instance, there's room to apply that toward what it's too broad as far as that goes. Um, it also like doesn't allow for mastectomies and so on and so forth. Like there's so much in this bill that just they're just like, okay, cool, you can't you can't do any of these things. 
Um, with the Georgia bill that I was looking at, um, called the Vulnerable Child Protection Act. I love how they specifically, these bills, you can tell, aren't done by people who actually work in any kind of medical field because they say sex means the biological state of being female or male based on sex organs, chromosomes, or endogenous hormone profiles. But the thing is, is that there's been tons of research now in the year of our Lord, 2022, that, <laughs> that, um, that trans people are their gender, like physically, like they're the amount of science scientific evidence that we have now showing that your sex is not just based on sex organs and your there's more information to your chromosomes and your hormone profiles than these people have knowledge of or are willing to accept. I, I kind of wonder which part or if any of them, I doubt, oh, I, I don't want to say I doubt, but I would err on the side of they more than likely don't consult physicians or people that are in have that information included in their um, daily jobs yeah it's not exactly how I wanted to say it that's not very eloquent but but it basically I'm basically what I'm trying to say is they don't consult the people that are the experts on that before they put these bills into effect um, and we'll include a link to all of the bills or a link to the page that has the bill, all the bills listed on it, so that if you would like to, you can review the information and come to conclusions yourself. Yeah, it, everything that I pulled was from the ACLU website, and they have everything listed. Um, there was one other um, Oklahoma's Save Adolescents from Experimentation, aka the Safe Act where they basically state that um, there's evidence, evidence of, um, maybe it's not this one, but there was another bill, I have to think about which one it was, but like the, the SAFE Act is more than just Oklahoma. There's another state that's also doing it. Um, where they're basically stating that there's more evidence showing that children eventually grow into their actual gender that they were assigned at birth, um, when that is not the case. <laughs> we actually have more evidence showing that the younger the child is, the more likely they are to continue to identify as that gender throughout the rest of their lives because that's who they are. That's their gender. Um, It might be South Carolina. South Carolina has a whole bunch of them where they're just like, you can't do this, you can't do that because this, that, and the other. Um, I'm going to just kind of do a quick, come to a, an area where we can wrap up because this episode's coming up on an, over an hour. <laughs> um, so we'll do a quick wrap up um, and then... Um, just a reminder that we will not only be talking about legislation um, 
we're getting ready to do another recording in a few minutes uh, where we're going to talk a little bit more about some personal experiences with things um, and then our personal opinions on um, things like financial insecurities and those types of things. Um, so kind of, Sarah, what are your kind of initial like landing thoughts at the end of the information that we kind of talked a little bit about today and um, let's go for that. I feel like it's, uh, it's overwhelming, honestly. Like, it's really upsetting. Um, like, being someone who's on the trans spectrum, um, being someone who's been uh, friends with and in relationships with trans people in the past, um, it's just... It's kind of terrifying, actually, honestly. Yeah, I think I would have to agree with that sentiment. Um, it doesn't seem like it's, it seems like people are unnecessarily targeting others based on their own beliefs. And it kind of goes back to the thing where it's like, if it doesn't directly affect you, why do you care what other people do or how, how other people treat, do, what other people do with their bodies basically it, it brings back the conversation of what is bodily autonomy mm. and when do i have actual control over my body one of the things that i'm sure we'll probably discuss in a future episode is probably. the um the fact that some women are this specifically uh, caucasian women when they go to have a hysterectomy or um, to be to sterilize themselves they are there's so much pushback on a Caucasian female uh, versus a person of color, uh, a female that is person of color, um, to not get the um, sterilizing operation, so their tubes tied or hysterectomy actually performed until their husband has made the approval or they've had two kids or they're, they have to be a certain age um, where it's like, if you are a person of color from the information I've read, it's more like sometimes they do it without your consent. Um, I don't know how, I, I just saw something the other day on this. I don't know how frequently or how how recently that has happened. Um, uh, well, it was just happening with the people who are currently in cages. Yeah. <laughs> so like there were a bunch of forced sterilization. Um, forced sterilization is not new in the United States yeah. for people of color at all. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, we covered a lot. We talked about the um, don't say gay bill and the, I won't say positives because I don't think there's anything positive about the don't say gay bill. No, um, but some of the sort of redeeming qualities about it where they do allow teachers to, if they feel like the student is at risk, um, to not have the conversation with the parents, but then again, it kind of brings into the fact that they have to escalate that to the administration and who's who's more likely to, who are they more likely to side with, the teacher or the student um, or the family, where the family can sue them, where the teacher has to go by their specific requirements in their um, lesson plan. And then we talked a little bit about the anti-trans legislation that's been passed or is currently in being uh, reviewed 
in several different states. And like we said, we will include links to all of these items in the Google Doc for this episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we look forward to other episodes where we'll talk a little bit more about lighter, more, <laughs> more opinion-based um, conversations and less legislation and um, politics. Politics. Wow. I like politics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.